When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. I think it's acceptance. It's self-acceptance. Where are you right now? And making, then once you sort of assess where you are in this moment, what could be better? What could be worse? What can you add? What can you subtract from your life? What does that vision of your life look like in this moment? And just accept it all. If you have a bad relationship with your parents, if your kids aren't acting right, if you hate your job, just accept what exists now. And then once you come from to that place of acceptance, then you can look back and you can have hope and vision forward because you're just accepting what is. It doesn't mean you it like it. You 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 like it. A seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while Black. If Black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-Black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Oh, welcome back, welcome back. Once again, another dope episode. I want to kind of jump in just a little bit, like I always do, and talk to you a little bit about the episode at hand. And the first thing I'm going to say is that most of the time, I know where we're going. Most of the time, I know most of the questions, if not all the questions that we're going to ask. But there are some times that when I have a pre-call with a potential guest, it's a feeling. It's a, it's a chemistry. It's a, a quiet promise that whispers between the lines of our conversations and bleeds into the back of my mind that tells me this is going to be an amazing episode, regardless to as if you have designed where it's going to end. That's what today's is. You have been privy to several of them. I don't think I've ever told you that before. So what are we talking about today? I can't tell you. I cannot tell you definitively one thing we're talking about. But what I can tell you 
is that I know and expect it to be powerful. I know we may go down the streets of, of black girl magic and its price. I know we may take a dip into the ancestral waters, allowing us to understand what happened, maybe even touch the mast of a slave ship. I know that we might circle around the idea of clinical trials and their impact on us as a community. We may touch on all of that. But I know from my pre-call with today's guest, Ms. Kara Bolton, that because of her worldly experience, her passion for black folks, her dedication to black women, that we are going someplace positive that you will benefit from. And I don't want to talk too much longer. I want to go ahead and bring her to the microphone so that you can feel the chemistry and that little tinge in the back of your mind, like I felt, that tells you this is needed, this is powerful. So with that, I'm going to shut up for a second and welcome Ms. Kara Bolton to Wild Black. Kara, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I am super excited. And we are going to have a voyage today. Mm. Voyage is going to be the word. We are going on a fantastic voyage. <laughs> okay, Lakeside. <laughs> That's right. Is that, I didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't remember who sang it. I just. I just knew the song. Before we get started, I want you to do one thing for me. Yes. Take a second and try to encapsulate in like thirty or forty seconds who you are, so that our audience knows what to expect. Because I. I looked at your background. We talked through it. There's a lot there. <laughs> Tell us who you are in like a thirty second nutshell, to the best of your ability. I'm magic. I am a writer, a filmmaker, an entrepreneur. I bring the light. I bring the heat. I make bitches better. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I hate this delay, but I love that answer. All right. Before we make anybody better, we got to jump into this wild black shit. All right, brother, you ready? Absolutely. 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 So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to get you prepped real quick. So we got three questions. Two of them are questions just to get you warmed up. And then the third one is our signature question. So you ready to go? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. First question. Let's do it. Out of these three main soul food dishes, give us your favorite and why. Fried chicken, greens and cornbread, sweet potato pie, and pumpkin pie. I only have to choose one. Only got to choose one. There and is why? a wrong answer on this one, but there is a there is there a is wrong a, answer. Yes, there is a wrong There's answer. A absolutely okay. wrong answer. Yes. So I am going to choose fried chicken because my dad used to make the best fried chicken on the planet. And there was no recipe. It was just all love. And um, cooking was a way for him to provide and protect for our family. So fried chicken is my favorite, followed by sweet potato pie, because dad always made an extra pie just for him. So there would be like four pies and we could only have access to three pies, but you could not touch <laughs> one pie because that was daddy's pie. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the spirit of, of me being extremely hungry, the next question <laughs> is also in the realm of food. So okay. if you put your, uh, if you were to jump in a time machine or you were to think back to when you was a little child, right? And you 
were in your aunt's or your grandma's or even your mom's kitchen. Name two things that are undeniably in almost every black woman's kitchen who knows how to cook. Wonder Bread and (laughs) Kool-Aid. Cherry (laughs) Kool-Aid. Those are my two. Cherry Kool-Aid, okay. Cherry Kool-Aid and Wonder Bread. Yes. Mm. That Wonder Bread always go hard. Yeah, but then you got that Crisco oil that's been sitting there for like seven generations. So that's also in the kitchen. <laughs> Not seven generations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. It came over on the Mayfly. That oil is seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> right. So look, and that's if they right, got I'm that oil, then you got to have a cast iron pan. Got that's to. right. You got to gas. Yes. You ain't cooking on the new Teflon. Right, right. All right, well, look, we're going to go into this third question. This is our signature question. We ask every single guest, what do you love most about Life While Black? I love us. I love us. Like, we bring the flavor, the seasoning, the salt to everything. Like, you can't hold us down. You can't keep us back. There's always a joy. There's all, We do stuff with flair. We be extra. I mean, I just love all of that about it. I just love us. I have unconditional love for us. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. I was sitting here thinking before I said anything, but the idea of unconditional love for us is something that I think is beyond powerful. But at the same time, I think so many people say it without real credence to what that means. Now, in your case, I've seen your history, and I believe it, and I, and I, but I can't help but to want to take this moment to remind our listeners that there's more to it than just saying unconditional love. Because you said that, and I'm sure that a number of our listeners shook their head in agreement. And I just want to take a moment to ask them, do you understand what that is? Is that truly a commitment you are ready to make? And I'll relate this back to a recent episode when we talked to Dr. Brian Lowry from Stanford University. And the reason I brought it up is because in that episode, we had a great conversation around what does that really, really mean? What are you willing, Wild Black Family, to give up in order that our community can move up? I really think about that for a second. I'm not going to preach to you long, but when she brought up the idea of unconditional love, like take a second and let that sit with you. Take a second and let that wrap its arms around you and consider, do you have it in you? Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Because the more of us that truly have that in us, the greater the opportunity for us to reach these heights and these places and spaces that we talk and dream about. I'm going to shut up and get back to this interview, but I just felt moved to share that. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. 
In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Kara, thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're going to make me cry. Go ahead. <laughs> you can't Listen, be having are okay on Wild it's like, you know, we have a black baptism today. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move into our dope quote. Our dope quote okay. is something from religion, science, history, entertainment, math, all over the place. It's typically out of the mouth of someone black, and it has some level of pertinence, importance on our episode today. It's no different. This one is extremely short. But before I read it, I want to explain why I chose it. Because I don't think the tie is natural. But as I looked at your background and as I got closer to the work that you have done, as I reflected on our conversation last week or the week before last, something came to mind. You are not afraid to try. Right? You are not afraid to try something that you haven't done before. And your ability to step through fear, act on faith, Try something new is what's going to inspire someone else to do the same. When enough of us do that, we truly do change things. So, so with that, the quote that I have for today is simple. It is from Stacey Abrams. And it says, the way to win is to try. The way to win is to try. When I say that for you, Kara, what comes to mind? Oh, gosh. Um, it goes back to your quote about like unconditional love. And I think about my current projects, um, the film Return of the Black Madonna and the memoir Water in My Bones um, that center around my quest to learn to swim, dive and map sunken slave ships. And I, I have literally given an organ <laughs> for this uh, for this um, this project. Um, the courage to try to me is like the courage to get back up because I have been knocked down so many times in the past four years alone that, you know, it's like, but I got to get back up because my ancestors didn't have bits and lashes on their back so I can lay on the ground. It's so that I can get back up. And I can put one foot in, the, in front of the other and I can breathe my next breath. Yeah, they did not go through what they went through for us to sit and complain. There is something that's required from us. Listen, I want to jump into the core of this interview and I want to start the very simple, yet probably very complicated question. Of everything you've done, of every place you've been, of every person you've had to become and every version of yourself, 
What is it that in this moment you think is the absolute most important to share with the Black folks listening to you today? Wow. Um, I am in the process of becoming, and I do not want to sound like Michelle Obama, but I am in the process of becoming the Black Madonna, which is a symbol of hope and freedom for Black people. Tell us more about that. When you say you are becoming the Black Madonna, what does that mean? It means I came from a place where I experienced violence in childhood, where I experienced, like, you know, most middle-class Black people's stories. Like, I grew up in South Jersey. Um, I went to a white institution to go to school. I've worked in white institutions. Um, I've experienced racism. And it's this, it's this confluence of spirituality and hope and wisdom. I'm going to be 50 in July. And it's like this, it's a confluence is the best way to describe it, right? Like, you know, um, when Maya Angelou would say, I'm not just walking in the room, all my ancestors are walking in with me. That's how I feel like I'm rolling deep when I come into a room. But it, it's, a, it's a confluence of all of it all of the people, all of the versions, all of the people that I met into this one person, into this one sacred divine feminine that I call the Black Madonna. How did you get there? And to, to add just a, a bit more context, the idea of you walking into the room, but you're never alone, the realization of that you weren't born with, the reality of it, yes, They've always been there with you. What happened? How did you figure out along the way that that's what was going on? How did you tell yourself and teach yourself that you were not moving alone? What was it that happened that reminded you of that strength and that power that you had? How did you figure that out? How did you learn it? So uh, when I was a kid, they had rebroadcast Roots, uh, the the original TV series that aired in, uh, what was it, 1977, and um, when I was 11 years old, I went to the library and found a copy of Roots, and it was 1,100 pages. So that's 100 pages for every year I had been born about that time. Mm-hmm. I quit reading about around page 300 because like, I'm 11 years old, and Kunta Kente was still in Africa, and nobody had gotten on a ship. I was just like, okay, I can't read anymore. But the fact that I was 11 years old and I tried this was a big deal. And so I always knew that what I was taught in school was never the whole story. So I always tried to educate myself. That sounds like the beginning of a journey. And I I know one of the things that's important for you is people understanding that we really have to honor our own life journeys. And regardless as to where they take us or what we experience, that's important. What does that mean? And how do you suggest that someone begin to do that? I think it's acceptance. It's self-acceptance. Where are you right now? And making, then once you sort of assess where you are in this moment, what could be better what could be worse? What can you add? What can you subtract from your life? 
what does that vision of your life look like in this moment? And just accept it all. If you have a bad relationship with your parents, if your kids aren't acting right, if you hate your job, just accept what exists now. And then once you come from to that place of acceptance, then you can look back and you can have hope and vision forward. But it really comes from having a place of self-acceptance and accepting where you are now, knowing that you have the power to change it, but just acknowledging what exists. Where, where I am now hurts. Like every morning when, when I wake up and, and I go to my, my job, I, I, I cry in the car. Or every day when, I, when I'm on the way home and I, and I think about the crushing bills that I have, it, it makes my spirit want to break. And, and yet I'm hearing you say, accept it. And I'm asking that question on behalf of not me, but everyone listening. How? How, how do we accept where we are when it hurts so bad? Or how do we accept where we are when it feels so misaligned with our purpose and the, message, the messages we're getting from our God? How do you do that? How did you do it? Well, where I am hurts now too. I mean, I, um, I feel like my life is too complicated. I want it to be much more simplified. Um, I've been living in a place for seven years and um, I'm, I'm feeling like that voyage is going on a, is, is, is over. Um, I don't have a life partner. I don't have children. My family is, is my immediate family is gone. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a college friend visiting me. So at least I have company for this week. But it's to, but by acceptance, it's more of an acknowledgement without judgment. We, we judge ourselves so much, especially based on popular culture and social media. Like I should be here, I'm this age, I should be there. And we're not, and we judge ourselves by who we are, who we're not, instead of by who we are. And so the acceptance just comes from acknowledging it hurts, but not judging that it hurts. That makes sense to me. And I'm trying to, to think about how best to phrase this. How do I know when the words that I speak or I feel of acceptance have taken hold? Like, how do I really know that I've truly accepted it? What, is there a flash? Is there, well, I hear music from heaven. Like, how, how did you know that you were there? And, and then what's the big reward for me? What's my incentive? When you're no longer angry about where you are. Mm-hmm. So this is, a, it's a personal example. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. So uh, my boyfriend of two years broke up with me and it was a surprise. It was very abrupt. I thought he was just coming over to visit and he basically ended our relationship. And of course, I'm crying. I'm angry. That was a hard moment for me to accept. And I got to a place where I said, he changed his mind. That's all that happened. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with his mama. It had nothing to do with these external circumstances. I don't need to go back to my childhood and revisit all the things I did and my relationship patterns with men. It was just like he changed his mind. And once I got to that point of he changed his mind, I was no longer bitter or angry or crying. I was ready to move on. Um, so mm. for me, that's what acceptance is. It's, it's a calm and it's a peace in the middle of the storm. It just means this is what this is. Yeah. I think that is such an important point of clarity that you just made. Acceptance doesn't mean you like it. Acceptance doesn't mean it feels good. It doesn't mean it no longer hurts. The journey you just kind of took us on was one of Realizing where we are today, taking a look at all of the impacts on our life, regardless of as if we like them, love them, hate them, want to destroy them, accept them so that while they still may hurt, they still may be uncomfortable, we're no longer angry about them. And when we take that anger out of our life, it makes space for something that can potentially help to elevate us someplace else. So once we accept and once we move past anger, what then? What, what is the thing that you made room for by removing the anger? And what is the power that it gives to us? It gives us spaciousness. It gives us spaciousness. It gives us peace. And when you have peace and spaciousness, that's when the creator, the universe, God, whatever higher power you may or may not believe in comes in and fills that void of what has left or what has been taken or what you're upset with that you have let go. Something new comes in and transformation begins to happen and you just start free. You start feeling freer. I absolutely love that. Now, personal question. Yes. This is a journey you've gone through, and, and that's why you can speak to it. So after you accepted and removed the anger and brought in these new aspects of things, what did you do with that new feeling? What did you do with this new spaciousness that you had? And how will your actions 
impacts the greater Black community? That's a great question. I think what happened is I realized that what the way that I'm living my life no longer serves me. And if it's not serving me, it's not serving the larger Black community. So where I am right now is in a place, for example, I probably shouldn't be telling this, but I work four (laughs) day work weeks and it has nothing to do with productivity. It means that I I specifically take a day during the work week to allow that spaciousness, to allow for new creativity, for new ideas, um, new ways of working to come in so that I am at my personal best and I can give my best. And I'm always, and I'm conscious of when I'm acting from a love, a place of love versus fear. Um, because when I'm acting from a place of love, that's, a, that's where my strength is. If I'm acting from a place of fear, my strength's not there. And that's not going to serve Black people. Only when I love is when I can serve the larger Black community. Yeah. So talking about the time where you're serving from love, and I know there have been outputs and products along the way, as well as some in development now. Talk a little bit about that, right? What, are, what have been some of the outputs when you found yourself operating more from love than from fear? And how can people engage with them and gain from them or even begin to replicate the journey you've been on? Um, well, right now, people have to be my Facebook friend. Um, I am in <laughs> development of a larger uh, platform, whether it's Substack. I've been, somebody said, well, you need to do a YouTube channel or a podcast where you're talking from your own point of view. Um, but when, I, when I'm writing, and creating from a certain place, from that place of love, um, there's this wisdom that comes out and it's effortless. Like it doesn't mean that it's easy, but it just means it's effortless. Like I don't have to think really hard about what I'm going to say or, or, or how I want to interact with people or what I want to create. It's just there. Hmm. You know, when, when you opened up, one of the first things you said on this episode you were magic. And and I know you spent a a bit of time in the place of black girl magic and its cost. And even on this show and in the news cycle and on the tips of every black person's tongue with, with any lick of sense has been the idea that black women have been saving black America and honestly, America, America, right? All, all too often the concept of the superwoman, the concept of the strong black woman, the concept of black girl magic, and, and each does truly have a cost. I'd, I'd love for you to just take a few moments and just kind of dive into that. What, what is the cost of being magic and, and who has to pay it? I wrote a piece called The Price of Black Girl Magic on Sweatpants and Coffee. Mm-hmm. And I talked, I was very open about the time that I stayed at a psychiatric hospital um, because I was dealing with two parents who had cancer at the same time. My mom had breast cancer. Mm. My dad had esophageal cancer. I was an only child. Mm. I started a business that people thought would fail. Um, I live in North, at that time, I lived in North Carolina. They lived in New Jersey. 
Obama's running for president for the first time. I'm in a relationship. Like, I don't want to let the first Black president down. Um, at the time, I was the um, director of communications and outreach for the North Carolina Democratic Party. I was the first Black person, period, to hold that position. And it was just, it felt like it was all on me. And Um, there was a moment at my father's funeral because my parents were divorced, but it was a moment at my father. So, so let me just back up. When I say my father, I mean my birth father. When I say my dad, who Mm -hmm. I grew up with, I mean my stepdad and mom is just mom. So, um, my father died and uh, my mom said that she was going to attend, my mom and my stepdad were going to attend the funeral with me. And um, my dad, meaning my stepdad, called me and said, we can't come. Your mom is sick. And he's crying on the phone with me because he's thinking I'm going to lose my wife. I'm like, and, and I had to say, dad, I need to bury my father before I could even get to my mother. And this is while I'm going to my father's mm. funeral. And I'm holding mm. it together, wow. right? I give the eulogy at my father's funeral and and we bury him and we do all the things. And my then relationship, like he wasn't really there for me. He didn't even come to the funeral with me. Um, I, I barely remember whether the man even checked on me to see if I was okay. And I just remember like one Sunday just crying and I could not stop crying. And I cried for 48 hours. Like I cried all during the day. I called a friend. I was I was crying. She came to pick me up. She's like, do you want to go to the hospital? I said, yes. I cried. And during the entire intake process, they put me on the suicide ward. Like I cried. That was the process. That was the price I had paid for trying to be magic for trying to be superwoman. And I was like, I cannot do this. Now it took lots of years. I would say it took almost a decade for me to recover from that fully. But that was that was the price I paid. Mm. Mm. It's it's painful to to even hear that because Sitting here, I can't help but imagine that you are not the only person no. who has managed through that much hurt and pain and concern. There's probably someone listening right now who's going through that very same thing. As a, as a matter of fact, I can think of, you know, two or three people off of the top of my head that I've talked to just in the last few days who cried through our conversations. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. 
keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. And is an, it is an immense pressure. You often feel alone and sometimes you really are alone. So in honor of all the people that I know suffering through that, and because of the fact that we're talking to you today, you are surviving that. What, what I'd love to ask you is, for those persons managing through the same kind of feelings you were, how did you survive it? How did you find yourself here today? What, what words of encouragement or thoughts or behaviors, actions can you share with them to help them pass where they are in this moment? Um, I'm going to be old fashioned and um, this is where the church girl comes out in me uh, because last <laughs> year I had a very difficult year. I mean, betrayals. I mean, it wasn't just boyfriends. It was just lots of different kinds of hurt that I had experienced. And I don't want to get sued, right. which is why I'm not specifically saying what those are. But hey, we don't like lawsuits either. We get it. <laughs> so that's why I'm not being specific. It's not because I'm trying to curate my experience. It's because, like, you know, I want to keep my legal bills down. But, um, but really, it was prayer that got me through and listening to sermons on YouTube and not just any old sermons. Like, um, for example, I'm a super fan of Sarah Jakes Roberts, uh, T.G. Jakes' daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to listen to millennial um, spiritual leaders because they understand what church hurt is. They, They come from a perspective that seems grounded And it doesn't feel like they're trying to tell people stuff or expect people to live from a standard where they can't. So I found spiritual leaders who spoke to me in my heart, my soul. And then um, in addition to that, I start my day with God um, and I end my day with God. So um, I have my Bible app. And I read that and I go through the exercises when I'm getting dressed in the morning. I listen to my daily sermon. I go through my day. And this sounds really corny, but at the end of the day, before I go to sleep, I imagine that, well, because I grew up Christian, um, my family started churches and it was the women who started churches. So um, I come, like, I mm-hmm. come from a very strong matrilineal line. I imagine that Jesus and I are sitting on the park bench like Forrest Gump, right? And <laughs> and Jesus is like, how's your day today? And I just bring all my concerns and like, and, and I put him in his box of chocolates and I'm like, this is for you. Mm. And I leave those concerns in Jesus's box of chocolates and I go to sleep. Now, I may wake up with them and and the box of chocolates might still be full, but I still go through my routine. And that might not be everybody's thing. And I totally understand. Like, I'm not trying to get people to do what I'm doing, but I learned that it works for me. And I learned that the closer, you know, I keep talking about love and it's really easy to talk about love, 
But like last year, when I, when I literally prayed for people who did me wrong, I felt not only did I feel lighter, but things about them became revealed to me. So people who were trying to take money from me, I realized, oh, I'm not supposed to be paying them. I'm supposed to be paying this other person. Like I would get an, um, an email and it'd be like, check your Venmo. And it'd be like, you know, $3,000 in there. So it was just, so it was like wow. life just opened up when I started really developing that personal relationship with the universe. And I'm still working on it because like, like I said, I wake up in the morning and that, that box of chocolate is still full. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, look, I, I guarantee you that during the night, he at least at least licked the chocolate. He got some of the impurities <laughs> out before you woke up next to him. He, he, he put his mouth on it. He did something with it. He like, did I'm, something I'm, I'm with sure that. that. I'm sure that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it ain't the same as when you dropped it off. I promise you that. The, I don't care if it's the rapper's open. Something's different. Something's different. But, you know, the, it, for anyone really, really listening to what you're saying today, there's a definitive theme. And, and that theme is really love, right? You, you've mentioned it from the top of the show to right now. Mm-hmm. Even when you went into the idea of, of unconditional love for a community, for a people. So like, I think it's only right for me to ask this question. Yeah. In, in your opinion and in your experience, what is love, specifically unconditional love for a people, a community? What, what does that mean for you? What is love specifically? Wow, that is a great question. And I have an answer to it, except for, hold on a second, let me pull this up if I can real fast. Because as you know, I've done some work in restorative justice. Of course, I turned off my phone, but it has to do with having a restorative heart. And that restorative Mm -hmm. heart believes all things, it trusts all things, and it knows that working together, we can make a difference. Mm. To me, that is agape love. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take a bit of a leap here. You've talked about being an author, mm-hmm. a filmmaker. You, you've talked about your work in and around the idea of restorative justice. It's obvious that you are a person who manages through her emotions, much like all of us do. But we haven't talked much yet about where the idea of mapping slave ships come from. Mm. And I know that that is a big jump for our listeners. But again, I told you up front, we were probably going a bunch of places. And it's all so damn good to understand. So going back to the dope quote that I, that I pulled talking about the idea of trying. The way to win is to try by Stacey Abrams. You woke up one day, one Tuesday morning, and had to say to yourself something to the effect of, damn it, where are all the slave ships? I'm going to go find them. But you couldn't swim, right? That's not how it happened. Tell me more. 
<laughs> so, Tell me more how that actually happened. <laughs> I was uh, I was a producer, writer, and protagonist in a documentary. Uh, it's an award-winning documentary called uh, Detroit Rising, How the Motor City Becomes right. a Restorative City. And so while we were right, filming right. one day, I took a break and we were at the Charles H. Wright Museum in Detroit. And at the time, they had an exhibit that took you through um, a fictitious West African community all the way to Detroit. And the centerpiece, one of them, because there were several centerpieces, but one of them was a a replica of a slave ship. And they had Mm. where they had these, you know, brown mannequins that were shackled, you know, wrist to to, to um, ankle. And they had this recording of these moans. And I fell to my knees and I am just snot crying because there was some kind of ancestral memory, something in the DNA that just came up and took over me. And I was like, Carrie, you need to get yourself together. You can't be crying in front of these people. But I just couldn't help it. <laughs> And so I got myself together and we were, uh, we were working on the film and, and part of it, we, I was going to take some swim lessons because we needed to see me doing something difficult because basically I was just going places and hugging people and talking to them. And there was no real conflict in that. Like there has to be something while you're watching this documentary. So we were like filming me in Mexico doing swim lessons and every time I went down, and I had to literally put my face in the water, which terrifies me, I would see the slave ships. So after the fifth or sixth mm. time this happened, I said, the film we thought we were going to do, we are not doing. I need to learn how to swim, dive, map sunken slave ships. And I don't care if it takes the rest of my life, but that is now my life's purpose. So it, it wasn't just you woke up and decided to go find them. That's no. what it was in my in my mind. Like she just woke up and decided I'm going to go find them all. The obvious question is, how's it going? How do we engage with the going? Well, um, right now I do have a, um, a three minute sizzle reel that I can make available to you um, and Vimeo along with the password, so people can see for themselves what the journey is. Um, right now it's frustrating. Um, I am swimming. Um, at one point, this I'm on my third swim teacher. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. 
based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. But on the second swim teacher, like, you know, I'm, I'm currently in Mexico and we all know you can't be drinking the water. So I had to use the, I had to use the good water that I had paid for and put it in a big pot and put my face in the pot just to get used to blowing bubbles. So I started there like in 2019. Now I'm fully swimming, but it's frustrating because I'm at that moment between swimming and diving. And in order for me to cross that finish line, it depends on a whole bunch of people's schedules that are not mine. And I'm used to doing everything by myself. So it's driving me crazy. But um, I'm currently between the, the swimming and the diving, which is the snorkeling part, which is fun because you get to look at the colorful fish. But um, following the journey, um, I am on Instagram. I have my own handle, Kara Bolton. But more importantly, Return of the Black Madonna has its own handle. So, um, or you can be my Facebook friend. Just tell me that I met you on the Wild Black Show and I will say yes. And if you ask me freaky questions, you can, <laughs> I will block you. But uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> Look, one, one of the things that we always do as we, ear, as we near the end of an episode is we make sure that there's room and space for you to communicate whatever it is that you need to tell the listeners. So I'd love to open that space up to you right now. I know that your background is diverse and your interests are many. And in each of those, you've given the time required to actually make change and growth in those spaces. So what I'd love to hear is from all those experiences, from all those interests and from all the background that you have, what is it that you think the Wild Black audience needs to know specifically from you? Wow. Well, uh, a friend of mine who is not Black, her name is Pam Slim, came up with the, the term architect of liberatory change, um, which is someone who builds structures that create change that frees not only ourselves, but our communities and our families and our friends. And I just love the way she put it. And, I, and I'm probably completely paraphrasing from her. And I wrote her to tell her and she said, I thought of you when I wrote that, that I thought of you when I created that phrase. And um, I was one of those people that used to write those impassioned Facebook posts and articles begging white people to see us as human beings. And when George Floyd called out for his mama it changed everything for me just before he died. It changed everything for me because I was like, it, my focus needs to be on our healing. And I have to start with myself. And for me, it's a bodily experience. It's not like I can just heal in my head or I can go to my therapist, which I do. Um, it had to be something visceral that I could feel. And that's why I chose swimming and, and sunken slave ships. Because um, if you look at some of the, the research done on it, that on, on swimming and fear of swimming in open water among Black people, um, that's not something that we had. It was something we inherited. Um, and it's also something that was limited. It limited the Black body. And so... Um, after George Floyd died, I became wanting to be on this mission from changing the Black body of a place that had endured trauma 
to a place of magic and light. And so that's why I said in the beginning of this episode that I am magic because I know what my body has endured and the fact that it's still here, I'm still breathing. I kickbox this afternoon. Like I can work out. Like, I mean, the fact that I can still do the things that I can do, it can't be anything but that. So, you know, it's hard as Black people, sometimes we think about what we don't have, the rights that we don't have, the freedoms that we don't have, the things that we don't have, the people who are no longer in our lives. But thinking about ourselves as what we do have and our ability to transform, our ability to communicate, our ability to laugh through tears, our ability to make that seasoned fried chicken that I said I loved in the beginning of the episodes, like all of that stuff that we have is wonderful and we need to appreciate it more. And as we begin to appreciate it more and make space for those things, that's when we'll have more creativity. And that's when we'll begin to build institutions and systems and support Black creators, because that's another thing I'm, I'm about, is supporting Black creators that, such as yourself and, and myself, that we begin to, to build those things that, that elevate and uplift and educate us all, like exactly like what you're doing. I absolutely love that. All right, brother, you got anything before we close it out? I said adaptive perspective is something our listeners definitely should should consider in, in the journey. Um, it, it sounds very intentionally challenging, right? Like you're, <laughs> you're you're doing this very intentionally, and I admire that because that that takes a a, a level of courage, a level of tenacity. And a lesson that I think a lot of people can pick up and say, hey, we can do it even if even if it's a challenge. And if I could just say this last thing, one of the things that I learned during the swim lessons is that a lot of times uh, Lydia, my current instructor, would ask me to do something and it would scare me. And she would say, OK, you're afraid. Let's try it anyway. And so just by acknowledging that the fear was there, we're not talking about beating up the fear, kicking the fear, getting rid of the fear, just acknowledging its presence, going back to something I said earlier about acceptance, it then gave me the courage to try because I acknowledged that I was afraid. Mm. I love it. And I think there is a lot of power in the things that you talked about tonight. I hope that everyone listening like really took the time to really listen. And I know we touched on a a couple of different themes, but there was a consistent theme. That is trying things and love. And maybe you go back and you listen to this one again and you listen to it with as we talk to our kids, our listening ears on and see what you pull from it. Um, Tara, I could not be happier to have spent the time with you. I appreciate you being here. And with that, Wild Black, peace. We out. I love you. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for.
based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Looking for adventure in 2023? How does island hopping in Thailand sound? What about marveling at waterfalls in Iceland? Or tapas with your new BFFs in Seville? What about discovering the world with an awesome group of 18 to 35s? Explore all of this and more with Kantiki. You'll sleep in the coolest accommodation and learn from local guides and experts. Visit Kontiki.com. That's C-O-N-T-I-K-I.com to book your next adventure. Kontiki. Travel. Together. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.